Welcome to The Checkout. We catch up with previous Add to Cart guests and ask them five quick questions to get to know them better and leave you with a little extra inspiration to get through your Friday. Here's your host, Bushy. Today's Checkout features Teresa Sperty, founder and director at Arctic Fox. They're an advisory firm specialising in digital, e-commerce and capability development. Teresa's background leading digital transformations at retailers like Coles and Officeworks has led her to start the business that now works with clients such as Bunnings, Bega and Carpet Court. Teresa, welcome to The Checkout. We had a really great conversation with you earlier in the year around selecting and implementing technology in your retail business. And we also uncovered some of the upcoming data and privacy changes that we expect to see throughout the year, which was fascinating for me because I hadn't heard a lot about that. But we're here to learn a little bit more about you. I've got five quick questions for you. Let's do it. Number one, what's the weirdest thing that you've ever bought online? Uh, the weirdest thing? It's a good question. I, I, you know, I, I'm actually a pretty boring person. I don't buy really weird things online. In fact, I'd love to know what other people have said in the past. But you see, see what happens is the people yeah. who say they don't buy the weird things are the ones that actually do buy the weird things. They just don't want to talk about the weird things. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think you know a question like this always shows someone's personality, right? So let me give you a sense of some of the things that I do buy, but I wouldn't necessarily class them as weird. Yeah. So I tend to buy mystery and escape room type kits and online escape rooms. That's cool. The games, because I'm a bit of a true crime junkie. (laughs) It's it's not weird, but it's an unusual thing. And you set them up in your own house? Uh, Well, some of them, they're just small kits. Yeah. And you pull out all of the clues and, you know, some of it is facilitated online and you have some physical aspects that are evidence and whatever to, to solve the crime. But then equally, the online ones, there's nothing to set up on uh-huh. in a physical environment. It's just all played out online. So, yeah. I didn't realise it was a thing. And is that a solo activity or is that like a family, friends kind of activity? I recently convinced my son to do one with me, but he was a bit bored by the time <laughs> we got to the end of the first hour. We've done some with friends as well. So, and one I did... I did on my own. So, yeah, it just depends if I can rope in someone to do it with me or not. I love it. All right. So just be cautious if, if you know, you invite some people around for drinks and then you're getting dragged into an escape room. Oh, absolutely. That and, it, you, you know, dragged into a games night. I love a games night. <laughs> Same. So yeah. good. So good. Yeah. All right. Number two, who is your favourite retailer? Yeah, that's an interesting one. So, you would naturally think because I've been in the digital and e-com space for so long that I'm going to come out with some answer of some amazing retailer that does amazing things in in the digital and e-commerce space. If I look at traditional kind of bricks and clicks retailer, I would have to say it's Decuba, mm-hmm. but it's not because of their amazing omni-channel experience. In fact, as a brand, I think they've got a long way to go, but I don't personally have a lot of time in my life. I've got two kids and I you know, run my own business, so... From a product perspective, I know they'll have what I need when I need it so I can run in, try things on, etc. I'm not a, a big online shopper from a fashion point of view. Mm-hmm. I like to be able to try something on and I have no desire to go and return something by post and whatever. That just drives me mad. So they are probably my favourite retailer. But again, 
you know, based on their omni-channel experience, they'd probably make more money out of me if they were more mature in that space. Yeah. So there's a consistency there of product that you use. That's right. That's yeah. right. It's consistency. It's I know the product will always fit me. The type of styles that they stock are generally the type of style that I will wear. So, and that's just so important, right? And I think that's important for any retailer that's retailing online and in store or just online. That consistency piece is critical. Yeah. Makes sense. All right, number three, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts here. Which oh. e-commerce practice do you wish was history? Oh, this is an interesting one because I don't know if you'd call this a practice, <laughs> but I just think retargeting, even though I've purchased, we have to get more mature in this space. So it's probably more of a way that brands use channels. Mm-hmm. That retargeting piece just consistently brands still get it so wrong. And I think that Surely by now we we should be more mature in that space. Do you think brands will be forced to become more mature with some of the changes in first-party data that are coming through? I think brands are going to be more challenged by what they do in the retargeting space as a result because of third-party cookie deprecation. Yep. So I think, you know, as providers like Google and others move back to, I like to call it back to the future, right, with moving back to browser-based targeting and those types of things, I think, you know, strategies like retargeting are are probably going to get worse before they get better. But I think this does also come back to brands effectively utilising first-party data in a way that improves the experience for customer. If you know they've purchased, leverage that data to to ensure that you're not continuously handing people to buy something they've already bought. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think a lot of retailers would want to solve that too. Yes, from an efficiency point of view, absolutely, Yeah. yeah. Number four, can you recommend a book or a podcast that our listeners should immediately get into? Mm. So this is probably one for those that are kind of running maybe D2C type plays or FMCG or CPG, Unpacking the Digital Shelf. Okay. Have you heard of it? No. No. Okay, so it's a US podcast run by the Digital Shelf Institute. Okay that provides thought leadership around e-commerce for FMCG brands and CPG brands. And they have amazing guest speakers, not just from a CPG and FMCG point of view, but from an e-commerce point of view more broadly. Uh, So it's a really good one. It's my favourite podcast. Apart from this one, obviously. Of course. Well, (laughs) I was was wondering how much is this a leading question? It's not at all. Lovely. I am going to check that out. I love those recommendations, especially the international ones, because you get a whole bunch of new views um, and opinions that that we haven't heard. So thank you for that. It's brilliant. Absolutely. Number five, finish this sentence. The future of retail is? The future of retail is. Oh, I'd like to know what you say about that, but maybe I'll answer first and then you can tell me what you would say. (laughs) I think the future of retail is going to be a wild ride. You know, if you look, I think there's so much change coming, so much innovation on the horizon. We haven't seen probably the the real kind of size of opportunity in social commerce. I think marketplace, shift to marketplaces in Australia is going to be significant. Increasing portion of kind of consumers buying online over the next decade, I think it's going to be wild. Mm. But exciting for brands that really want to embrace it. Actually, sounds fun. 
Yes. Well, fun for the work that we all do, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. No, that's a great answer. Thank you. I wasn't prepared to answer this question, but I I think I'd answer it differently on any different day. Yeah. But I think if I think about some of the themes that we talked about, I think you've got to stand for something. I think you can't be middle ground in retail at the moment. Yeah. I think you've either, whether it's a price stand for something, either be really value-led or really premium-led, whether it's a cause or you've got to actually stand for something and get that core customer engaged with you. Exactly like your Dakuba example is to go, they're our core customers and we will get our Halo customers. But yeah. if you don't know who your core is, then I think you're in a world of hurt. And that changes, right? That That's the thing is delivering value to them today is not necessarily delivering value tomorrow, which is why that constant need for change and evolution and that real finger on the pulse around what those needs are a key, which is why it will be wild. Well, you've got to keep changing <laughs> the colour of your fur, don't you? That's right, exactly. <laughs> what would the Arctic fox do? What would the Arctic fox do? Awesome. Yeah, I love Marisa, it. I thanks love for it. joining us on the checkout. Thanks, Nathan. To hear more from Teresa, jump back into episode 372, where Teresa shares her simple but effective framework for business casing. We also dive into how to get the best out of your technology partners, the do's and don'ts. She also goes through the government changes that are coming up to the Privacy Act and the impacts that this may have on your e-commerce business. It was a surprise for me. You don't want to miss that chat. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep adding to cart.